Right. Welcome to Down and Out in Essex and London, episode 12. 11? 12. 12. It's 12. 12. Yeah. 12. Episode 12. Yeah. I'm Augusto. And I'm Luke. Yeah. And, and the uh, captains. We've got, a f- we've got a few things on the uh, the old to do, to speak about list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose we, I don't know. It's a, nice actually having a docket because it means you don't have to mm. navigate through the waters of small talk. I think it depends on what, uh, what, what mood you're in mm. quite a lot. And I, I feel like I need small talk ammunition. It doesn't come na- very naturally to me. Something actually quite extraordinary needs to have happened, I feel, in my day for me to be able to make good small talk. Yeah, okay. So uh, do you want to talk about Kendrick Lamar or the mice first? Um, <laughs> the mouse first. Oh, uh, there's a joke there. I can't quite get it because um, he's short. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's, I, I think we should start with Kendrick. We're, so recently, um, Kendrick Lamar, in the last few days, uh, released a new album. The album is called Mr. Moral and the Big Steppers. Mm-hmm. It was released on the 13th of May. I like the increasing use of terms such as moral in our day-to-day discourse because it is, I think, a good insult to call someone immoral rather than <laughs> a dickhead or anything of the yeah. sort. I, I think it's nice to say, Harry, that was immoral. Yeah, yeah. You're a moral bore! You're <laughs> yeah, immoral! Yeah. I, think it, I think it carries a certain certain weight. They kind of... like That kind of memory TV to insult. Yeah. You know, I, I'm really there for it. Yeah. Are you a, are you a Kendrick Lamar enthusiast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember really liking him quite a lot in around 16, 17, 18. So, so what album would that be? Um, Good Kid, Mad City. Yeah, and a bit younger actually. Yeah, I really, I absolutely love Section Eighty. And oh, you know Section Eighty? See, I abs- I don't know anything about that. Oh, album. Right. Is it worth is it worth a listen? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Re- a lot more jazzy actually than. Really, um, Section Eighty, jazzy. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would say so. And well, I don't know. I think there's a lot of jazz influence on Pimp Butterfly. I mean, I'd have to listen to Section hmm. Eighty, but what, what would you say the main difference is between that and say, um, Good Kid, Mad City? Mm, it's definitely a, le- it's a lot less aggressive, I would say, and a, lo- a lot of them feel more. He, he sings a bit more. The, his intonation is often quite different. Okay, it's a bit more mellow. Bit more interest, introspective in a universal way, rather than him just talking about things which have happened to him. Which I mean, obviously, the things he says are influenced by, but it, it, it's a bit more, you know, feelings of loneliness and whatnot. At least, you know, when we talk about the title track, the sorry, the eponymous track, Section Eighty itself, um, really great. I absolutely love that album. I love Good Kid, Mad City. I remember seeing him at Reading Festival some years ago. Oh, really? Oh, been, so you went the year after me? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he he does a great live performance because and I'm not sure if it's just because he was at Reading Festival, but he had this fantastic live band, yeah, and whatever, and electric guitars and all the rest of it, and. It wasn't. It was the first. I, I think that was, was that was Reading twenty fifteen. That must have been. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, twenty fifteen. Because oh, that's that's the release of Pimp Butterfly. That was Pimp oh. Butterfly twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen. Getting on in years, man. Yeah, I know. It's scary. For any foreign listeners, Reading is this sort of coming of age festival. Yeah, Reading and Leeds. To yeah, Reading and Leeds. Yeah, Le- Leeds. Leeds is like they're both. They have exactly the same lineup, yeah. which is kind of hard to get your head around but they just play on different days and Leeds Reading's pretty hairy it has the most smelly toilets in the universe I remember just 
just awful that that awful story about people falling into the toilets it's like it's just horrible, right? horrible it's, it's actually hard to define how it smells obviously because you can't define uh, smell verbally but yeah but anyway Leeds has the reputation of being this slightly more hairy one but yeah. they're both pretty they're both yeah, pretty it's bad just reading with more ketamine yeah so lots of 16 year olds who go and just take a shitload of drugs and and listen to some good music if if they go, if they're lucky enough to go in a year where the music is actually good because yeah, yeah, yeah. some of the recent lineups have been pretty shambolic. Yeah, yeah. In my I mean, opinion. back in the day, if you if you were a little indie Twitter kid, then there, there was no better place to be than Reading Festival. Yeah, the year yeah. I went, it had an incredible lineup. Mm. I don't know, it had um, System of a Down, the Deftones, who I didn't manage to see, which really annoys me. Uh, it's a long story why I didn't manage to see them. Um, it had Eminem, Green Day. Darwin D's, MF Doom. Oh, who, wow. Nice. MF, now, now, this is... When people say, what is the the concert that you wish you could have attended? My answer is always the MF Doom concert because I was actually there, but I didn't go and see him. because oh, and, actually, and it was actually MF Doom at Reading because oh, for those who don't know, MF Doom often sends body doubles. Gets used to getting a lot of trouble for sending body doubles. So <laughs> that's the one gig I wish I'd seen. Ty the Creator was there. That was great. Wow. Um, who else? Quite a few others. Um, and it, anyway, way, Kendrick Lamar, first uh, hip hop concert or hip hop live act I'd seen, and I was, I, I was really actually blown away by how well it translated. That yeah. was, I suppose, always my concern that, you know, it, it would just stick a beat on and rap over it. But but he had yeah, the full band, yeah, yeah, yeah full band, electric guitars, yeah. everything, it, 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 and back in choir, it, it was really, really masterfully composed, uh, really fantastic stuff. So yeah, I, I was always into Kendrick. What about yeah. you? I like. I know Mad City very well. Well, not very well. I know um, Pimp Butterfly pretty well. I used mm. to love that album. That one and Cherry Bomb at that time, I remember listening to a lot of, you know, that Tyler Allen Cherry. Yeah. yeah, Cherry Bomb. And um, and I also like that. At, the, at that point, there was, there was also uh, the Flying Lotus album. Ba uh, it's not Bang Bang, You're Dead. That's the song by the Carl Barrett, isn't it? It's, it was called You're Dead, I think. Mm. Uh, the Flying Lotus yeah, album yeah, really know. sort of, had that great song uh, Coronas the Terminator on it which I really liked and so I was listening to those albums basically on a rotor at that point back when I actually used to listen to albums back when I used to listen to music mm, <laughs> mm. Uh, I do still listen to music anyway um, so yeah I think and I haven't really paid much attention to Damn I think he's released it's released one or two since this new one I think he definitely released Damn and then there might be an oh, Untitled Unmastered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's awesome. Yeah. That one has got some crazy songs on it. I did like that one as well. One of the things that I find interesting about him is uh, the universality of his appeal. And I always wonder, particularly with uh, rappers, whether in some ways that they feel like that, that hampers their credibility, you know, like middle class white kids in six, like absolutely bopping their heads off to good kid mad city or whether that is actually a endorsement there's always been this implication with with kendrick that he's sort of got that his widespread appeal is his great strength but also to some extent his weakness mm. and he mm. discusses that uh, well, one thing i i always liked about um kendrick lamar is there's it's like an inner dialogue with himself but 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 also several people he always has characters that are sort of half uh, probably sometimes are, are real characters but other times it's just sort of um extrapolations is that the word of of, of yeah, people yeah. he knows and uh he, he he never really i like the way that he never really necessarily ever adopts a position that he he takes in a song he um 
he sometimes yeah, like it's more like the inner discourse of of um of him trying to be a better person and i i one of the things i remember really liking about uh specifically specifically um no i felt generally i think in in both uh pimp butterfly and good kid mad city he talks about it quite a lot is his his ideas relating to religion i always mm. found them fascinating because he almost no he almost questions his own beliefs always he's he's like a vehement believer in christ and baptism and stuff and being saved but he always he always feels as if he's sinning mm-hmm. and that those those ideas contra contravene one another um and uh, whether he can be forgiven and all the discussions of that sort which are which are really uh, I, 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 I generally get turned off when I hear a lot of God in, in music. It's not a guaranteed thing, but the fact that Kendrick Lamar manages to, to sort of always speak about ideas of faith with a, with a strong sense of doubt makes it quite compelling. And I think without that, I would struggle to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and having an element of doubt whilst also admitting its influence on you, I think is the great way to walk the middle ground without it ever being cringeworthy on either side because that's mm. the problem you, you you run the risk whenever you speak or whenever you sing against religion of being incredibly on the nose yeah and i think that's that's exactly what you want to avoid as yeah an artist probably if, if, oh, if, if you're unless you're kanye west it's yeah. weird like this whole since we've been speaking i've just been thinking about him comparing him to kanye west mm. always i don't know why they're both gemini's they oh. both play into the fact that they're Gemini. You know, when I was talking about his religion, yeah. he embodies the Gemini aspect of his astrolo- uh, his his music quite heavily. He's almost like a schizophrenic a bit, Kendrick Lamar, and and Kanye West is literally, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's not schizophrenic, but he's he's completely he, he can go completely off the rails. Yeah, yeah. one of the few. Uh, is he a male BPD candidate? No, he's. I think he's been diagnosed with manic depression, Kanye West, okay. which. Which I don't know. BPD people throw it around. Uh, as yeah, far BPD, as I know, it's incredibly you can rare. Blame the Red Scare podcast for that. It, oh really? Just the the lackadaisical nature with which they accuse people of having BPD is uh, is genuinely very hilarious, and it's a, an awfully contagious um, habit. And I find myself yeah, doing it. Someone, someone has like a remote yeah. mood change. You're like, God, so fucking yeah. BPD bad. Well, <laughs> this whole I, country I has think, BPD. I can't remember why I originally brought up the Kanye. West comparison. Gemini's Gem- you, you, well, well, no, about well, religion. It's about religion because yeah. Kanye West is now on this religious wave, and a while ago he's upset with Drake for saying, uh, "Now Kanye's." A, I don't know what. The, apparently, they've resolved their beef recently. I don't know, or so, at some point, but I wasn't paying attention. But uh, before he said, basically in an interview uh, talking about their their whole fight with Pusha T and stuff. I don't know if you know about any no, of this. No, it's it's pretty pretty long story, um, but. Long story short, they had an argument. Sure, and uh, <laughs> and uh, Drake eventually said, "You know, Kanye's doing in this interview. He says Kanye's on his his non secular music now. You know, he's doing his religious thing." And then Kanye at the time was like, "Don't you ever say that my music w- was secular," implying that he'd always centered God, his music around okay, God. But it's right. definitely become more heavily religious recently. Yeah. Um, and uh, I find it harder to 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 get my head around that because. You know, not because Kanye West is mentally ill necessarily. I, I, I feel deep sympathy with that, but I really object to his arrogance. Mm. I really, when he's like, I am defeat, you know, I am Da Vinci. I am a God. I am a God, you know. It's like, I just told you, I'm a God. It's like, 
and getting all upset about being made fun of on South Park, you know? Well, like, I, 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 I don't like people who don't have a good sense of humor about he, themselves, he, who, 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 who say they're godlike. You know, Kendrick Lamar, I mean, I'm not saying that Kanye West isn't good, that I don't like his music, but Kendrick Lamar, if you compare the way the two approach the questions of their own rite of passage or their own fame, I find that Kendrick Lamar is much, a much more compelling narrator because he always doubts himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think the reason for that, though, is because Kanye West, along with very few other magician, magicians, <laughs> <laughs> musicians, is one of those uh, uh, few examples of they who live their life truly as an artist and mm. almost don't even need to engage in the real world because the, 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 their art is, uh, their music is so entirely central to their their concept of being and yeah. they and they, it relates to aesthetic and all of these other things that become so incredibly embodied in them i, I wonder what other examples yeah well would I, be morrissey i think is one yeah, of those people good, too this is a very that's a very hot and steamy take mm. um I think it's limit. I've never believed in the suffering art. Well, I think I have probably believed it at some point, but I don't now believe in the suffering artist type thing. No, I think, are yeah. You're not suffering. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, there's a certain amount of, there is a certain amount of suffering invo uh, involved in producing art, if you But um, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, I think uh, what I mean by that is not necessarily the, that Kanye West is suffering. Uh, well, he is, but. But I think the reason he 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 su suffers is because he bases his he bases life on aesthetics, mm -hmm. and it, and and you're right. That's sort of what makes him a great artist. But I think yeah, ultimately, but also a terrible person. Well, yeah, I, I mean, uh, maybe not terrible. I don't think he's a terrible person. I think he 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 has some very flawed. No one ever taught him to be humble and polite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, which does go go a long way. Even if you have mental self health struggles, which I I do sympathise with Kanye Kanye West deep, deeply. It must be very hard to be very famous and very rich and very well known. People want things from you. All yeah, the time. and every time you say something or do something, it's in the press. It just can't be. It can't be good for, for your own stability. Even if you are a very strong person, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it just must really affect the way you perceive the world but I, th I still think he could do with a bit of you know a bit of humility at times it never hurts no. especially if you're if you allege yourself to be godly humility is central to any concept of godliness it's it, yeah 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 <laughs> it's it's it <laughs> it is an interesting contradiction especially with his new well not newfound he wouldn't argue that but his uh particularly reorientation towards a religious music now but at the same time i think i, I kind of don't want him to be humble or human in any respect i think with the, with these particular hyper art characters and i use the word characters i suppose indeliberately there but it it, it uh symbolizes my underlying thoughts on this matter that they're they're kind of beyond the real world and their their image of themselves is reflected back on them in this very bizarre way which really affirms to them mm. that their life is that of an artist and not of a human who wanders the yeah. world and has to pay the taxes and think about what milk they're going to get and yeah. like it's very yeah it's really it's yeah becoming i don't know can in kendrick I, I, something about kanye west just doesn't sit right with me whereas kendrick lamar does remind me of dura a bit you know the melancholia you ever seen that photo you should check it out. Uh, you know, the questioning. The questioning, is, I think, is integral. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's weird. It's weird because it's not actually conducive necessarily to the production of, of something. 
you don't want to question too much. You just do, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I've been counting people who are always like, what chord should come next, you know? Mm. You, 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 and you spend ages on a song, you know? I'm guilty of it as well. But really what one should do is just write, write one, try and finish it, do the next, you know? And, and just, it's very difficult, especially nowadays. But, but that, that element should be unquestioning. But the mm. actual, like, purpose of, of life or, like, your, your own your own significance should always be questioned because i think if you if you think yourself too too significant you run the risk of to know uh compromising your ability to produce mm -hmm. art ultimately yeah anyway we should probably get yeah on, yeah go well, on to the actual album what were your thoughts on it it's it's very good mm. uh, <laughs> it'd be my first track there's there are some tracks i i, I really really like such as I particularly love Purple Hearts, oh, yeah. and I can't remember the name of it. But is the that one the one with Ghostface Killer on it? I really don't know. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I think it has. It's got yeah. It's the really? it's the one where um, it shut the fuck up when you hear the love talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah I, I thought that was a uh, yeah. That was a cool song. What's I thought the one where two people screaming? At oh, each that's other? The, we'll get onto that yeah, one in a minute. Okay. That's uh, we cry together. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, maybe, maybe yeah. I think so. I think it is. If my notes correct. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting concept. I, I, I thought that was very interesting, interesting conceptually. I wasn't wild about the actual use of <laughs> shut the fuck up when you hear the love talking. It's a bit aggressive. Yeah, I don't know. It's a bit oxymoronic, you know. It, it doesn't sound like blissful, like in your moment of silence, you find God, you know. When Ghostface yeah. Killer comes on and he's like, shut the fuck up when you hear the love talking. Or whatever. <laughs> I don't know who's from New York. He sounded a bit Dutch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> shut the fuck up when you hear the love talking. Uh, but he, but I, 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 I actually, the image itself, beyond the word fuck, which I, you know, I do find that, I do find that it sort of took away from the meaning of the song. But, you know, it's obvious that it's like when, when you hear the the, the true voice or the, mm. the inner voice speaking, to be silent and let that voice fill fill you, mm. and not and not let your ego pin down that voice to let it really exist and be free. And then, yeah, that's that was my read on the on that part of the song at least. Mm -hmm. It's it's the other one with the ones screaming at each other it's so incredibly yeah. raw and yeah it's clever know. that one that one was it's, very it's, very it's very clever really clever i i, I find it i, I know as, as a very as someone whose emotional range is rather narrow <laughs> oh no come off it you've got a large emotional range you always underestimate it uh, i never understand why yeah. it's a very strange condition of yours um, maybe it's because you're you're organized so you think <laughs> You don't like have a messy room, and therefore you have a limited Perhaps. emotional range. Yeah, I, 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 like I listen to Jordan Peterson. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's it's really deeply disturbing to yeah yeah to hear those hear them. You know what's kind of about that as well? That song. Um, we hit, we cry when we hear the uh, no no sorry we cry together. In the back, there's that um, alcohol mm. cup. Did you notice that the shaking yeah, of the yeah, ice yeah. in the glass? Yeah. Very. It's a theme throughout. Uh, Kendrick Lamar's music, alcoholism. But name the specific one is. I don't know why it's in only two or three shots. Yeah. Show you how to tell or not. Oh, was it? What's it called? Um, uh, swimming pool. Swimming drank. pools. Swimming pools. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and obviously, there's like a theme of alcoholism in. There's also that 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 one in. 
I've forgotten what it's called in Pen Butterfly where he does the whole like thing. It's kind of like a bit, the beat's a bit staccato and then he kind of like rambles. I don't actually know if it's Kendrick Lamar, but he's got a voice of someone who's like, sure. you didn't call me this. It's kind of like high pitched sort of mm, mm. drunk uh, voice in the album. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it was an interesting one. It's, I, I can't, you know, just because I live in such a, a sanitized world where no one ever raises their voice. It's I I forget that people actually really yeah, really yeah. yell at it each other. It was very clever, one, didn't they? It's, yeah, uh, it, it really pulled me out of my my emotionally uh, yeah. safe comfort room. Yeah, I mean people yell like this. Yeah, coming from I I, I, I got to say one thing. I what current. I didn't like about it though what it did have a good effect on what I've noticed in this album on the first is like. Object. I don't generally object to swearing or swearing music. It's fine, but I thought that was too much. Actually. There is a lot. There's a I lot don't... of swearing. It just makes it hard to like actually. I don't know. It, it sort of precludes certain listening experiences. So, like for example, yeah. I like listening to music on car journeys with my family. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, you couldn't stick yeah. it. <laughs> I guess maybe this isn't. It's not the sort of album that you are going to stick. Well, on. precisely. I remember sticking I... on Relapse once by Eminem in a car journey. Yeah, you know, it's got that bagpipes from Baghdad song. Do you remember that? And I remember just at a certain point, one of my parents just turned it off because <laughs> I must have been Relapse. Eminem is a what? Is a lot. Old... Well, it's it's kind of. But I don't think he wants to make that kind of music. You know, I can't, I, I can't, I don't feel like I have a right to complain about that yeah. because, you know, if I, I, I'm sure I would love it if he was ca catering a bit more to um, lower middle class white people in the Hampstead greater area. But I, I'd said the word fuck a few less yeah, times yeah. and bitch a few less times. Well, it, it just it, because at the, I think the reason I, I, can, I said it initially was. At the end of the song, you know, there's, a, again, this other theme, you know, in that last song about shut the fuck up when you hear the love talking. In that song, it's like this whole argument just very suddenly turns to love yeah, at the yeah, end, yeah. which, are, uh, I, you know, it has, which is another, it proves that Kendrick Lamar is a great artist because it has double meaning that last bit. Mm. On the one hand, it has the sort of like, sort of controversial meaning that, anger and hatred sort of brings people to like sexual partners together mm. there's a certain amount of aggression between the two can result in attraction Absolutely. which which is slightly con if you unpack it as it slightly um controversial inferences you don't unpack it you feel it yeah but the other one is obviously that you know from from conflict can come love love ultimately over overpowers difference and conflict and so long as you love one another, that, that ultimately prevails. And also in the song in general, he um, it's almost as if he, he he's talking about a domestic, it's like a, you know, a domestic argument mm. between a couple, but it's also about society. Mm. It's an argument in society. Do you not, do you not find? Can you elaborate on that? Have maybe, you know, so, so for example, one thing that stood out to me, maybe is when he's talking about his, his uh, small penis, or so she says like something. I wish I'd picked another, oh, yeah, another yeah. bigger. I'd like you've got a loose pussy. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah I, I thought that that was like you know the the pe the he uses the man and the woman sort of as an image in that song to um, to talk about people's general insecurities. Yeah, it's so matter. It's so smart, man. Yeah, um, because it, it, it is yeah. in the face of it. You know, you know, men exactly have that that's insecurity about. about the small, they're yeah. having small genitals, They're and both some bigger, the more, lowest blow as well. Yeah, some bigger, forward. more powerful man's going to come and steal their woman, and the and yeah. the woman's like, he's like, you're 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 
your pussy is loose yeah. from having had sex. Basically, like it's not your pussy's not good. You're no good. You're not a, an object of sexual desire to me anymore. Loose which is what women shifts. fear, I suppose. Not always, you know. Uh, these are generalizations, mm. and I'm not necessarily endorsing that position, yeah, that yeah, idea. Yeah. But just like you know, th- those are common ideas about insecurity. Let me see if I can pull up a few more because I did find that of all, I, I liked a few of the songs a lot. Some of them I thought, especially towards the album, I was at the end of the album, I was a bit like, meh. But this yeah. one really stood out to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really absolutely. stood out to me. It, cool. It's it's not terribly consistent, but it, it changes pace a lot, and I don't think it's a bad thing. It's they're, they're not all bangers. It's less cohesive than maybe previous album but it's a lot of really great tracks what i want to say is just on the subject while we met, we came onto the the we touched on the the actual sound of the album obviously the production is very good you know it's masterful production as it usually is you know thundercat on the last album and a few other and robert glasper george clinton dr dre this is also yeah, this, is, this is wow. yeah that nice. wasn't that wasn't paper bus fight wasn't it on that first song uh, uh, what's it called Thingamajig's Theory Wesley's Theory mm. Wesley Snipes uh, but yeah this is an aftermath record obviously so Dr. Dre loads of people are gonna great good producers are gonna have their fingerprint on this but I thought that some of the beats were uh, a little weak I thought that first song was pretty like weak some of them almost aren't beats yeah I, d- I don't know I like I don't mind I guess I don't mind some of the minim- minimalist beats but I would have liked I actually would have liked a bigger production I think like mm like bigger sounding production with exactly more more features Which happening. you usually do get an abundance with yeah. with Kendrick Helm. The one I thought um the one I I felt this most on was Rich Spirit. That one I really uh, 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 well I'll play it to you later but I thought that that one particularly had one of the more interesting rap meters mm-hmm. like the more interesting flows but the the beat never really got huge you know never really had that like danceable anthemic mm. level to it so i don't know i think that that was a general thing that the album's lacking but obviously the kendrick lamar can do whatever the fuck he wants basically yeah, yeah. he can do whatever yeah you know these people you know when you when you're like kanye west kendrick lamar jacob collier you can basically do whatever you like at a certain point you know no one's gonna no one's gonna come after you because yeah, yeah, you've yeah. got so yeah. much artistic prowess interesting i suppose uh Actually, I mean, the, the, I didn't even realise this album came out, and then I was having a conversation with a couple of friends about the uh, some of the controversy around that song, Auntie Diary. What's the specific controversy on it? Um, that he doesn't have the... He shouldn't have the right to throw around stuff like that. He's not part of that community. And oh, what? He can't say the, the, F, the F word? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's whether... Um, yeah, God, we've got the Financial nu- Times word. We've got N word. Thanks to Trump now. What, what can we have for, for F? The fungible word. The fungible. That's good. Yeah. Okay. The fun- so he uses the fungible. He uses word. the fungible word like nine times. But I mean, the point. The point of the. So here's the meta narrative. So there will be people who say, and I would put myself in this camp, that he's using the fungible word many times as a tool to illustrate his own previous ignorance, as he does with the dead naming stuff. Yeah. That's another thing people object to. He says, my auntie is a man now, not my uncle was formerly a woman or whatever. Okay, right. Um, and so there's that. He's using the art to portray his, uh, to demonstrate his own ignorance in a you know genre which has been historically not very friendly <laughs> towards the LGBTQ community, yeah. let's say. Um, I don't think we need to think of too many examples. I'm sure they'll they'll come to the top of your head, and the the and, and and but I must say actually I wasn't so 
um, dis- disenfranchised with how the debate on this was flowing out online. It actually seems oddly civil, apart from, um, obviously, those who are saying... I, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's some more... Using the fungible term, like... No, no, can- not, it's not that. It's the, oh, uh, here come non-gay people to tell me why it's okay. Well, it's it's kind of the Anthony Fantano point. It's the difficult pill to swallow is that that song wasn't made for people in that... for, for the fungible community. Yeah. It was made for... It was made... <laughs> that's grammatically incorrect by the way <laughs> you can use them There's, there is a word for that community that you can when abbreviation <laughs> you're just getting you, you've just got crypto in front of your eyes oh, now oh, anyway. oh my god um, yeah, so the word wasn't used for the LGBTQ plus <laughs> community. Go. I remembered it. I remembered it. I got it right. There we go. Um, That's good. It, it, it kind of seems almost an unfair thing to say, but I, I, I do think there's some weight to that. I mean, obviously, people in the LGBT community, not all actually, many were quite supportive of it, but many would, would say that really, is this how you have to do it? But I, I, I think, kind of, if you are. Like, have you ever spoken to children in that grew up in the last twenty years or so on the playground? Horrible things were said. Yeah, yeah, absolutely horrible things to kids. <laughs> Didn't get me started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who I don't know spoke with a slightly high register, and people suspected of being gay. I had an absolutely horrible time. I suppose it, it depends how, how much artistic license you're willing to give. People I'm, to I'm willing course. to get. Like, I think that. I mean, I don't want to criticize any component of the LG. BTQ plus community but I think that you know you have to look at the bigger picture here sure that he might misgender in certain ways but okay he, he's 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 speaking from his heart about someone that he personally knows and explain basically saying that it's cool it's fine and that you know he's he's telling a story and I think that you, have to, you have to be yeah. generous you know I think that it is important that people like Kendrick Lamar who have gone to the White House you know have made classic albums you know questioning black identity and religion and you know alcohol consumption all these different things you know he's, he's a, a widely recognized superstar Mm. And he, you know, he, you have to, I think you generally have to give people the benefit of the doubt because otherwise the conversation, you have to ask yourself, what's worth more? Is it worth more that we criticize Kendrick Lamar for like potentially mislabeling or mispresenting certain um, pronouns in the song? Or is it more important that big significant figures come out and, and tell their personal experiences about having people who are transgender in their mm. family? So that people start to normal accept to normalize this sort of behavior, and I think the latter is obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. the case. Like, unfortunately, there will always have to be compromises made, and it is brave of him to to even discuss it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think he knew exactly the kind of flack he was going. Yeah. Get. The other thing, the other so the other way the uh, online discourse went around, people who were offended of it, they would say that you know you say that you have to give people the benefit of the doubt in this, that it's much easier for those of us who've never been called fungible to give people the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I, I do actually have sympathy for that position. Yeah. That, you know, it's easy for other people, you know, I mean, as they, they walk online, like, you know, the straight white mid twenties people in the, in the cozy parts of the world saying, you know, you should give the benefit of the doubt when you haven't actually been on the rear end of any of this. And I, I, 
I see that. I, I sympathize actually with the with the backlash to it, but I do think that ultimately this does frame the conversation actually in a in a in a positive way when you understand that this is a song mocking yeah. his previous ignorance. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it it is unfortunate. That, yeah, you know, pe- people will understandably be offended when when yeah. they hear it. You know, it, it's pretty liberal with his use of fungible. Yeah, but he he at the last the lot a typical Kendrick Lamar very powerful last line where he says yeah. he says the the line he's Augustus is about to read is is a reference to that famous viral clip where he invites this white chick up on stage to come, come along and rap with him and I can't remember which song it is it might be Good Kid, Mad City where <sighs> yeah it, yeah, it, da, it, it, da, da. where you from nuclear <laughs> yeah. yeah and. Yeah. Yeah. She does it and she He's goes like, whoa, up whoa, and whoa, screams. Whoa, whoa. You can't say that word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She shouts the N word. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then he admonishes her. Yeah, he says, Fungible, fungible, fungible. We can say it together. <laughs> <laughs> but only if you let a white girl say nuclear. Yeah. So, um. It's, it's a. It's he's a adopting sim- the. He's actually adopting, again, good. This is what I was talking about earlier in terms of Kendrick Lamar being a clever artist because. Again, I think he's adopting the position that he's saying he's taking the iDubs argument from the Tana Mongu content mm-hmm. cop, where he says either it's all okay or none of it's okay, and he's simultaneously saying he sh- it was wrong for him to have spoke to that girl in that way. But equally, his position is that because he says, you know, I use that word, she used that, and I attacked her for that. But equally, we shouldn't be using any of these words. Mm-hmm. I think that that is the sense yeah. of the take that he's he's pointing towards. Yeah, or, or, or we should be using both of them. Yeah, well, that's the that's, yeah, that's the yeah, dubs yeah, argument. Yeah. Either none of it's okay, yeah. or all of it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I always wonder what I would have done on that stage. I know for a fact, I absolutely would. I would have said Nigel or something. <laughs> Where are you from, the trap lord. Nigel? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the trap. It's actually that's the trap lord Ross thing. He used to say Nigel, and actually recently videos, he just he just bleeps. He doesn't say it anymore. So maybe someone's been like, "Don't say that." You can't even use words in its place. But God, Emperor Trump has replaced that with uh with nuclear for us. <laughs> well, it's Putin actually. Putin yeah, keeps saying. Yeah. Anyway, I think we'll uh, we'll take a break there, and after uh, and after the short break, the short intermission, we're going to talk about. Mice. Yeah. Float above me on the moon. yourself. There is nothing to Let me look into your eyes. There's no use in And we're back, yeah. Refresh. So, Luke, you. So, in our very first unaired, which unaired podcast, which will probably never see the light of day. Maybe no, it will no. if we get a few more patrons. Someone <coughs> start coughing up. Uh, it'll be it'll be like the Wu Tang Clan record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The secret. Yeah, that's the NFT. Oh, yeah. We uh, should plug the Patreon, by the way. We have yeah, a Patreon. Yeah, we have a patron, and we <laughs> and we've only got one patron so can someone <laughs> can because if we get the thing is we're in this sort of no man's land. no man's land we don't have enough patrons to start making bonus content but if we had a few more it would make like 
you know, I don't know. If we had like four patrons, I'd start making one a month that was private for the patrons to make that extra delicious. Maybe get some, and I, you know, it would it would just be an incentive. So if you like our podcast and you've got a bit of money to spare, I think you can pay as little as four pounds a month. Four, four pounds. pounds a month, that ain't much, you know. No. No. It's like forty-four pounds a year. You're, you're you're paying much more for your phone bill. Forty-eight. Yeah. Four. Oh yeah. Sorry. No. Four times twelve. Four times twelve is forty-eight. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Math is not my strong suit, and this. <laughs> just going to declare that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but like um, spill over. I know. Yeah. In the in the first episode. The, yes. The the <laughs> first episode that never aired, which was kind of our trial run, which is funny to listen back on actually, how um how wooden we sound in front of the microphone versus how <laughs> smooth and natural and Terry Wogan like we sound now. Yeah. R.I.P. Um, King. Yeah. R.I.P. King. <laughs> I. I when we were introducing ourselves, I talked about um, my my introduction into the world of biomedical research and being kind of incredibly naive about how um, mice are used in the field in general and how I square that with um, my rather hardline veganism, actually, and the, the rationalization that one has to do in order to justify it. But um, without going into specifics, you know... I, Mice are used an awful lot in biomedical research, in drug development, in research science broadly, in labs all over the world. And, you know, millions of lab mice get killed every year for, in, in the name of science as unwitting volunteers. And it's something I was always kind of aware of, but only started to recently think about the logistics of it. I think you said millions. I, I, it must be hundreds of millions as opposed to tens of millions probably perhaps perhaps yeah because the thing is with mice which was explained to me is that so when someone wants to use i, I just clarify I, I don't do any mice experiments myself but you know I, I live in a world which is adjacent to it so i, I i'm aware of how it happens now and one, one of the things i was quite naive about is the fact that say if someone wants a mouse for an experiment there's a mouse model which emulates a particular disease or they just have regular mice and they're going to induce some sort of disease in them you don't just generate one mouse you have to have constant mouse colonies that are constant breeding you might breed more than you need there's there's this whole cycle of breeding and culling and the unfortunate thing is that when when you're when you think about the waste that goes on it does it it chips away slightly at that belief that every single one of these is being used for a, a greater end you know mm. that every every single loss of life here is justified and the the only reason i suppose i haven't walked out of the industry because of it firstly because well i say i'm actually actually fairly removed from it myself the, the thing that always annoyed me about meat consumption and dairy egg consumption etc is that it's so obviously, as long as you accept that you can survive without it, then it follows that every single instance of suffering poised upon an animal that's used for um, its food products is mm. unnecessary by the definition of it because you could have eaten something else. Therefore, you're saying that this infliction of pain is worth it just for my pleasure. Yeah. Something as trivial as pleasure. As, yeah. as gustatory pleasure is a justification for 
the the absolute slaughter of millions of sentient billions sorry of sentient yeah feeling organisms every year yeah and i suppose the reason why i've never why i kind of can live with the fact that it goes on my industry is because i feel that it it's not for that um frivolous reason no it isn't there, no, there, no. there's there's an absolute cause behind it the the reason i still feel uneasy about it and i'm, I'm glad i don't have to deal with it so directly myself is that it is still ultimately a a power game it is the infliction of will from a more powerful force on a less powerful force that can't possibly consent to what it's signed up to involuntarily and and that that's something i i do very this is a this is a fascinating ethical quandary it really is I think there's an also another caveat which I would like to add. There, there are certain gratuitous animal testing scenarios, such as mm. shampoos and stuff. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. I feel, I feel again, it also falls within the the remit of I might, you know, the pleasure of my hair smelling nice Absolutely. warrants the the abuse of of um, often rabbits or rabbits and and other animals and 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 again, fur sort of falls within this. I mean, I'm not going to criticize an Inuit though for that. Yeah, is that yeah, the yeah, yeah. correct term? Yeah, Inuit's the yeah, PC yeah. term for for killing a war. You know, for killing yeah, yeah, an animal. Completely. Yeah, <clears throat> because you you actually need. They can't go to H and M. Yeah, they can't go to H and M. Like Curtis, a long journey. There, I mean, there are so many. Th- this conversation could last hours because you brought just brought up H and M. So keep it simple, though. So yeah. I think that the the useful idea the idea is that solving genetic problems will benefit humanity. Essentially, yeah, me- medical problems more broadly. Medical problems, yeah. and I think you know, it pre- presumably also helps other animals if they have disorders, even though the primary function is is related to humans. Um, so I think that the important the, the notion is that these the sacrifice of these animals helps humans solve genetic problems. Correct? Me- medical problems broadly. Yeah, yeah. Medical problems broadly, and how how do you actually? Do you ever second guess yourself about being a part of the biomedical world in in view of the fact that there is this sort of mass um, mass sacrifice, um, unwilling sacrifice, not yeah. too far removed from the from the uh, specific um, field you work in? Yeah, yeah, I I I I think about it quite a lot. What I would like is that if morality was really calculable and you could say that you know it could work out from some really tangible sentient suffering score that um i don't know say a million mouse hours are worth one human hour and then you could actually work out okay you you work out the burden of a particular disease right and you figure out how many hours of human hours of, of human life hours that takes out and then you could say okay so it's therefore acceptable to try experiments on x hundreds of thousands of creatures because then the moral calculus works out and we're in the clear yeah i would love it if you can do that unfortunately and a non-reality though unfortunately you can't, quanti- you can't really quantify the value of life exactly. in such a and manner because the, the, the thing which troubles me is that it's kind of assumed to be a zero value more or less the yeah. the the animals which are used in the lab as a zero value life let's say you know people will use them just for things that 
their particular group is slightly curious about. Although I, I must say it is, I mean, my understanding is, and having not worked with the drug myself, but is that it's incredibly strictly regulated. You have to have a damn good justification for everything you use. So and it, var- it varies between countries, but it's fairly stringent here, at least to my understanding. But even so, yes, I do find it troubling because even in that instance, which I lay out, right, that some, so that that I say, okay, there was a particular moral calculation we could do where we figured out it's worth sacrificing X amount of mouse hours to reduce the burden of disease of some particular disease in humans. That still does imply that you think it's fine, ultimately, that the strong can uh, exert their will over the weak. Yeah. And the, the strong doing what they can and the weak suffering what they must. Yeah. I think that's Johnny Mitchell. Um, she's probably quoting him from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I, I do... I, I do ultimately struggle with it. So with with that particular concept, I, I, I don't like it. I don't like it in any other area. Um, so yeah, I, I have really conflicted feelings about it. I the, the problem is that a lot of the solutions that um, those who are against it propose just aren't viable. People say, oh, you can do mathematical modeling nowadays, you know, really good yeah. mathematical structures, but that has yeah. absolutely no discovery value. That's great for defined variables, but much of medical science is about discovery and you can't discover when you have set variables of a of a yeah. computer system, for example. So, and what, the problem what, is they are. They why are, is that? Why is that specifically? Um, could you could you put it in layman's terms? Okay, if you're using a computer model where all the variables are known, you know exactly how a particular cell reacts in a particular environment. You know, you could model that. But the thing is, there are always other factors. Other variables. Yeah, there are just so many variables in a biological system. Yeah. We never know. You you, you just couldn't do it, basically. You you wouldn't know what the significance of certain variables are, even in the computer system, unless you'd already figured out how significant they are in a biological system to then transfer it into the computer model. I see, I see. And, yeah. and 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 so those are kind of my thoughts on it. I'm I'm I'm, I'm twisted. I, I absolutely see its utility. I I hmm. may, may I take it in a slightly different direction. Sure. So I I my query is always well it's not always always but my query with science as with general human activity is what precisely the end goal of it is because I think there's an implicit implicit. Um, notion that humans seem to have grasped perhaps wrongly or rightly or wrongly that life or human life specifically has some sort of inherent value Mm -hmm. and even though we are now living in a secular what i would consider at least in the uk to be a secular society we still have this sort of godly hang-up that human life has got uh well, ideologically, it's like a godly hang-up that human mm. life has got some sort of inherent value. Um, that's arguable. That That is certainly a debatable notion. But because, because, for example, there's an intuitive idea that murder is wrong, mm. what seems to be an intu- more or less intuitive yeah, yeah. idea that, you know, mass killing is wrong. But as we have already discussed on the podcast, you know, this doesn't necessarily extend to animals who are consumed you know, are used for all sorts of reasons, but most gratuitously used for consumption. Mm. And um, and also the world, the wider world. I think that there are just... I think that we don't really respect the environment particularly much. Mm. Do you think we have to think of it as sacred in order to... I think you have... I think... 
I don't know. I think so long as humans think the way they do, yes. I think yeah. if, if we think ideas, which seem to be very important to human humans these days and probably often and always, maybe always, always have to have axiomatic underpinnings. There has to be, when you're talking about societal good, there has to be some sort of value to that good. Yeah. If you don't, if you think that ideas are limiting, which is kind of what I've actually been thinking recently, then, uh, then a, a different mode of thought comes, or presumably comes, I don't know. But I think that, bringing it back to science, I think we have to ask ourselves, like, why are we it's just you it's not we don't have to but why are we actually why do we actually value these things what are the actual underpinnings that cause us to value say for example space exploration or um the prolonging potential prolonging of life human life predicting that certain people have higher risk for cancer and improving the treatment based on their you know genetic makeup or whatever you know um why we think that that is actually a good thing and I'm not sure if there is actually an answer. It, it, yeah, I mean, it just, it's so intuitively as a member of the human species does feel like the right thing. And I think part of our, part of our unquestioning belief in that is part of the reason we've been rather successful as a species and well, in, in developing civilized societies and putting people on the moon and whatnot. I, I, I don't know when you ask that question, whether you, are just kind of probing into the meta thought of it or whether you think there's a i don't know a fault in so doing what in a, a fault in doing what in asking ourselves the question uh, why do we prolong human life and things like this well i think it's just useful i think it would be it's a useful way to think um others would certainly disagree with me uh, they say, why, what, you you just can't, you know, when kids yeah, yeah. go in the car, you're like, why is the sky blue? And it's like, because, oh no, they start with something like, it's like, that, why am I, and you can never answer the question. Yeah, why are you yeah. walking? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing, eventually the, what sometimes, I might be wrong on this, but sometimes called the Socratic fallacy, basically you can't exhaustively define any, yeah, anything yeah. sort of comes into play. So maybe it is literally impossible to do so, but I do think Specifically, when we're talking about science, mm. um, you know whether the pro prolongation of human life is actually a good thing. Should we be, should we be trying to prolong human life? Because, for example, with let's say let's say in a, in a sort of other other field of science where you're talking about um, you're talking about renewable resources, let's say or nuclear power. You know, there are good reasons why you want to be funding. Um, I mean, I guess th th there's still the problem of like, well, why do we do anything? But there is a sort of more uh, concrete goal that carbon, <laughs> fossil fuel releasing, f fossil fuel release and use using fossil f fuels is destroying our ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, sure. So it's, it's actually not only threatening our existence, but the life of the ecosystem on the planet. So people work towards preserving that. But if you're thinking about, <laughs> you know, preserving human life, to quote, Mr. Smith from the Matrix or whatever, we are the the one to sort of are are, are, are causing the the milieu. Is that the word milieu? Uh, uh, the the the, the, the struggle. So. Was it? Was it? No, the social milieu. What's it? Um, malaise. Malaise. That's it. Right. The malaise on the planet. It's our activity that is is causing. Um, it's a, causing a very very misanthropic take. Well, you know, I watched Utopia recently. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Um, I I. I, I think that 
well, obviously science would say, well, science actually can't answer that question. No, of course Why not. No, no, no. Life? Nor should it ever try to, nor do I think, it, l- yeah. luckily, at least the area of science that I'm in just asks, oh, what does this cell do in this context? And you yeah. can just about find an answer. Yeah, and I mean... That, um, that's tangible, but it's 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 all to the means of an end. Well, of, the, the, yeah. Go of, on, sorry. I, I think in some ways, actually, there is a underlying religious religious idea that life is inherently sacred and therefore worth preserving and I I, I think it almost works better as a subconscious ideal I I know when I think about how, how sacred I consider life you know I do consider it very sacred it actually often makes me incredibly sad because I just think of how of, of the suffering of people historically, mm. of of the average amount of absolute tragedy that people have had to endure, and how yeah. life being relatively good and straightforward is really a rather recent invention that's not enjoyed even today by people. Yeah, in it's parts bizarre, of the world. isn't it? It's it's, it's really a very bizarre. new thing. This kind of quality of life, even though things are going you know down the shitter in many respects politically. Like here. how negative I am personally, considering how much I have, yeah, how yeah. much I want. Yeah. Without how much I think, how much I want, even though I don't need it. Yeah, yeah. I don't actually need it. Yeah. It's only on some sort of psychological level that I, for example, success. Like I desire success, but why have I not succeeded? Yeah. You know, even by taking the next breath, arguably I have succeeded in some Mm, capacity, mm. unless my being is suffering, which it isn't. I used to think that. I think Mm. being was like Schopenhauer, but um, yeah, yeah. Coming, uh, coming back to that, I wasn't. I, I, you, you said, you know, I just do my... Th- when I do my thing, I just look at the cell, whatever. I can't yeah. remember how you phrase it specifically. And I think that has an answer in it, that human activity is just related to the fact that we we are active. Our minds are active, and then we we seek goals that, that please us on some sort of fundamental level. And um, some of these are more noble than others. For example, you doing that, you know, because you love it, is already... A good thing in and of itself and the fact that it has some tangible benefit to society and culture is is also a good thing mm. um but i think where it gets sticky is that we're not good at the universal ideas of how these these i don't know there seems to be a lack of crossover between at the moment between our technological advance and our quote unquote spiritual oh absolutely uh, spiritual goals we touched on it just now you know we have so much we live in an age of plenty you know we don't have to hunt we oh oh, in most of the world we don't suffer well most of the western inverted commas western don't like the term world we don't suffer famine yeah yeah um and yet we are dissatisfied yes we we always find new ways it's and i think we often have to seek um seemingly counterintuitive notions to free ourselves from the age of plenty i.e the idea that you know discipline is actually freedom for example in an age of plenty which i do find to be a compelling idea yeah that everything worth having actually does entail some sacrifice and we live in an age where we can actually get uh, ostensible benefits without any of the of the grift I, and I, i'm speaking like really in strict neurological terms when we can get you know really exciting context shifts and um new environments just thrown at us through through the tv and through the phone that don't have to be earned you know we don't have to walk into another village or another room to get a, a sudden change of of context we can just go through thousands of them in a few few minutes on our phones for example that that, yeah. that that's 
that's a like a very tangible example, I suppose, of what I'm talking about. Yeah, mm. I think that I think it all goes back in a way to stoicism. Mm-hmm. I think it is. This is all related because I think that I would diagnose the social malaise is that the term as the reason why we are dissatisfied in the age of plenty is related to the idea that we can't actually control how our collective species mm-hmm. operates. We can't, we, 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 we seem not to be able to have certain discussions about things or that there's the facade of the discussion. Um, you know, I think this is when I'm, when I'm referring to this, I'm speaking not about science specifically, but politics. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, that people feel, you know, for example, in, in our country, uh, our country inverted commas, cause I don't, anyway, less the story for another day. Um, <laughs> Uh, that people don't feel represented by the two major political parties. Yeah, and they feel yeah. that the change isn't happening fast enough. And every time there's a, I don't know, solutions don't come fast enough in a certain regard. And I think that that weighs on their mind. And I yeah, think yeah. that, that, but that attitude towards politics can also manifest itself in yeah. other, other it, places, friendship groups, yeah. um, you know, social social movements, whatever. I think we hard to, we find it very difficult to strike a balance between um Positive, you know, recognizing that there are many things about your political or media environment which are really, really suboptimal and are worth changing, while somehow also um, developing a sense of immunity to the world around you. How you sufficiently emotionally disconnect from those actions outside of your control, while also understanding that actions outside of your control cause dissatisfaction and the deprivation of the human species and trying to figure out what small aspects of that are in your control and how you can engage with them. Very yeah. difficult to do because I suppose either you become very emotionally wrapped up and let everything affect you or you become rather rather icy and say that it's all a charade and then you actually start to disregard very tangible actions you could do that make other people's lives better. Yeah. And on that cliffhanger, yeah, I think we'll discuss this more soon, yeah, um, inevitably. And I think we should end the episode by yeah. saying thank you to all the mice who <laughs> died, f- f- died for our, so that we can attempt to be a better species. Yeah, who died for our sins. Cheerio. Cheerio.
One endless hole One endless hole Two fishes in the fishbowl 